Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Catholic Libertarian Podcast. Today, I am sitting down with Stefan Kinsella. I think that's how you pronounce your name. Did I, did I get it right? Stefan. Yep, yeah. that's close. Wonderful. Wonderful. We're going to talk about intellectual property, a topic I know absolutely nothing about. So, what is intellectual property? That's a good question, and uh, it's good to know that you don't know it because uh, a lot of people <clears> – <throat> say they're in favor of this kind of law, and they don't know anything about it either, and I wonder why they have such strong opinions <clears throat> when they don't even understand it, um, and it's understandable that you don't know much about it because it's a very unnatural and arcane uh, set of laws, which are hard to understand if you haven't spent a lot of time studying it, which almost no one does. Um, intellectual property is a term that Defenders of patent and copyright came up with in the 1800s when those laws were under attack by free market economists who started saying, why should we have patent and copyright law because they restrict competition <clears throat> and they're incompatible with the free market mm. and there are unnatural government monopolies that the government grants to people to protect them from competition. Mm. So. The term intellectual property is used nowadays in legal systems to refer to basically four types of legal rights, which are each protected under different parts of the law. So one would be patent, which protects inventions, copyright. The other is copyright, which protects a written, written works and artistic works like songs and movies and paintings and uh, software and novels. And then the other two would be trademark, which is like um, the way that companies get protection for the marks they use to identify their companies and their products, like Coca-Cola, the Coca-Cola mark, for example. Um, and then trade secret is a, has to do with um, the law relating to when companies keep information secret, and they try to keep it secret to give them an advantage of their competitors, and they try to… Um, use the law to help them keep it secret when they need to. Mm. So those are – they all used to be separate fields of law because trade trade secret evolved under the common law one way, and trademarks evolved under the common law in another way, and copyright and patent didn't evolve on the common law at all. They were basically the result of statutes by Congress in the United States uh, in, in 1790, roughly, right after the bill – right after the Constitution was ratified. Mm. And they trace their history back to statutes and practices of, of monarchs in, in Europe uh, from centuries in the past. So um, patents arose from the statute of monopolies of 1623 in England, and copyright can be traced back to the statute of Anne in 1710 in England. Hmm. Um, so what happened was um, um, the patents – basically allow someone to come up with a product or an invention, and then they can use that law to stop people from making something similar. So it's basically a way to protect them from competition. And the free market economists in the 1800s started saying, why are we doing this? Why, why, do we, why do we let people have a monopoly on their product? Why don't we just let them compete on the free market? This is an artificial grant of monopoly privilege, and it's distorting mm -hmm. the free market and harming people and slowing down innovation and all this. And they're right about that. And the same thing with copyright. They say, well, wh why should why shouldn't people be able to publish what they want if they read something and they why can't they copy it and make a copy of it? Um, 
it's freedom of the speech and freedom of freedom of the press to print what you want. Hmm. Well, I had this artificial monopoly privilege granted to the publishing publishing company, the publisher that allows them to stop people from making copies of books. Hmm. And so the industries that had risen up and that by that time were dependent upon copyright and patent, like certain certain industries had relied upon patents and some um, publishing companies were relying upon copyright. So they started defending these laws because they didn't want Congress to abolish them. So they started saying, well, they're not artificial, unnatural grants of monopoly privilege by the government. They're really property rights. Now, they said that because most people are in favor of property rights. So they said mm -hmm. they're really property rights, and everyone said, well, then why do they expire after 17 years or whatever it was at the time? Mm -hmm. Because if I have a car or a house or a, or, or a piece of land you know, or a pocket watch, I don't lose ownership of it after 14 years or 28 years or whatever. It doesn't just expire. Uh, so if, 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 if patenting copyright really is a natural right, why does it expire? So the defenders of these systems had to come back and say, well, okay, it's a property right, but it's a special type of property right. It's, it's a property right that protects the products of the mind or the intellect. So it's an intellectual property right. That's why it's different. That's why it expires after a while. So intellectual property is, is a term that's used in the law to refer to these different sub subfields of law, patent, copyright, mm -hmm. having to do with uh, things in human life and in, in commerce that have value and use, but that are products of the intellect. Like instead of tangible objects, like a, a, a like a factory, or or wheat from a farm, or or cow, you know, mm. or your home, or a car, um, it's not a tangible thing. It's an immaterial thing that someone thought of with their with their mind, with their intellect. Mm. So that's what intellectual property. Is And my contention as a libertarian is that these free market economists in the 1800s were correct, that it is um, an invasion of property rights. Uh, it restricts free market competition. It censors free speech and freedom of the press, and they're just horrible laws that should be abolished. Hmm. That was a good sort of history of it. Right? I, I feel a lot more informed on that history of it now. Um. It sounded to me like it was like the, I don't know if it was the beginning of, but it did sound like cronyism. Like this seems like the very peak, or not, maybe not the peak, but a very big part of how government plays into this corporate crony system we call capitalism now, sadly. It, it is crony capitalism. And in fact, what's interesting is the origins of, of the, like the patent system. What happened was, um, say, in, let's, let's go back to the 1500s. Um, you had these monarchs in Europe, and the king would grant a monopoly to one of his cronies, like literally a crony, um, like a court favorite or some merchant mm -hmm. who wanted the – he wanted the monopoly. So like the king would say, um, okay, you're going to this – one of our colonies like in India or somewhere, and I'm going to give you the exclusive right to sell tea or to sell sheepskin or to sell playing cards or whatever it was. So you're the only guy that can deal in this commodity in this region. Now, that helps the guy because he can charge a monopoly price, and he has no competitors. right? In exchange, the king said, now that I'm doing you this favor, I want you to help me uh, collect taxes from all my mm -hmm. other subjects that are over there. So it was – it's like almost the perfect definition of crony capital – cronyism, and um, 
when these monopoly grants got out of hand, Parliament kind of got pissed off. And finally, in 1623, they said, listen, we're going to we're going to rein in the king's power to grant these monopolies because he's abusing it. Um, so we, they passed the statute of monopolies in 1623, but they made an exception. They said, but the but the government can keep granting these monopoly privileges if it's for an invention. So that's how patent law snuck in. Like it was part mm -hmm. of this panoply of monopoly privilege crony grants that the king was doing, and the parliament reined him in, but they let him keep doing it for uh, for inventions, and that has lasted until this day. But in and, and so what happens now is you have the government. Um, the government has created these huge cartel-like industries in the U.S. Uh, Hollywood with movies, the music mm -hmm. industry with music, um, and those both rely heavily on copyright. Yeah. And for decades, they had the they had a monopoly on publishing because there was no internet. And so all the creators, like the, the the actors and musicians and authors of books, they would sign over their rights to the publisher in exchange for getting published. So the copyright that the law gave them would end up being transferred to the publisher, and so then the author lost all, con all, all control over it. They just got a royalty payment for some amount of time, and that's why it's ironic that all the defenders of IP always say, well… Is to protect the little guy. If you don't have patent and copyright, what's the little guy going to do? It's like, yeah. well, it was always really for the benefit of, of, of the of these big publishing industries, mm -hmm. the gatekeepers. And in patents, you have um, you have the patent system in effect creates cartels because you have large companies that have the resources to hire patent lawyers like me. I'm a patent attorney um, to get patents for them. And then they can use those patents to threaten competitors like small companies. Now, the big companies sue each other all the time, like the, in the smartphone wars uh, from several, a few years back. You had like uh, Motorola and Samsung and, and Apple all suing each other, but they're all huge companies with thousands of patents. I didn't know so about they that. I, I didn't know there was like a big uh, like lawsuit between all these major companies over – Tons of them, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars spent on lawyers' fees and experts and all this. And yeah, just Google the smartphone wars. You'll see the smartphone patent wars. You'll see tons of stuff on this. So what happens is they end up settling with each other. So they, they spend years on this, and they settle with each other because they don't really care because they have – so they, they make a deal where, okay – you, you got to pay me $80 million and I'll pay you 30 and then we'll make a – we'll cross-license our patents to each other. And then they go back to business competing, and now they've had all these costs, but they just pass it down to the consumer by raising the price of the phones. Mm. In the meantime, there's only these big three or so manufacturers because they're the ones who can afford to fight each other and make a settlement and go about their business, whereas a tiny upstart company… If they started trying to make a smartphone, they'd be sued by all three of the big guys into oblivion because they couldn't afford to defend themselves in the patent lawsuits. So the, the effect of patents is to create a, a monopolistic situation or an oligopoly, as you call it in, in economics, or, or cartel, um, and which is not surprising because patents are a monopoly grant. So when, you, when the government grants monopolies to people, it's not a surprise that they get monopoly power and they, <laughs> they have monopolistic prices. Um, yeah. So what happens is you have um, these cartelized industries like pharm pharmaceuticals, and then the FDA regulates them 
imposes tons of costs on them. Um, and then, so they, they, they create these drugs. They have to spend tons of money on patents to protect themselves from, uh, from competitors. They have to spend money on the FDA process, also imposed on them by the government. Um, and, they're, and then they, they're able to sell these products at, at inflated prices because they have a patent on it, which protects them from competition from generics. And they can get paid for it because we have a prescription system and a, a quasi-socialized medical system in this country, which relies upon a stupid insurance system. So you know, the, these, the doctors write the prescription to avoid liability because they don't know any better. Mm. The insurance company pays it because we have that kind of system because of the tax incentives and the tax law. Mm -hmm. And um, and the government runs around complaining that every president says they're gonna they're gonna negotiate or give Medicare the right to negotiate with the pharmaceutical companies to negotiate the price down. But the reason the price is high is because the government is granting them patents which allow them to charge a monopoly price, and the government's FDA system doesn't easily grant um, permission for, for for generics who come up later to make this uh, uh, you know a, 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 an identical drug. That's a generic. So the prices are artificially high because the government gives them monopoly powers. And then the government complains about it and says, well, we need to have the right to bargain with them to, to, lower, to lower this price. The obvious solution would be like Bernie Sanders, instead of Bernie Sanders saying, we, we need to socialize healthcare so that uh, we can uh, negotiate with the pharmaceutical <laughs> companies and get them to lower their prices. Uh, why not just stop granting them patents so that they can't charge the monopoly prices in the first place, you mm -hmm. moron? <laughs> anyway, um, so but, yes, you're you're right to see that it's cronyism. It definitely is cronyism. It sounds like it's kind of cuts of a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of our cronies that seems to rest on intellectual property laws. Like how much of it is like it I, does. I think I think like all the big bad companies that we all complain about as as conservatives mm -hmm. and 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 libertarians, like the big tech companies like uh, Google, Facebook, uh, um, Microsoft. Uh, all these companies have immense power, at least in part because of patent and copyright law. Um, I'm, I'm not a left libertarian, and I do think – I do like capitalism that's not crony capitalism, and I do think there would be such thing as employment and um, the division of labor and large companies, very large multinational companies in a free market world. You might even have larger companies, but you would have a big spectrum. You'd have medium-sized, small mm -hmm. – you'd have everything. Um, but I do think that it's possible that without the effective subsidy and distortion caused by patent and copyright, um, the music industry, Hollywood, um, a lot of tech companies, um, and, um, and pharmaceuticals would be vastly different uh, without this. So they might, have ex they might have a larger size and more influence and more money now because of these laws than they would otherwise. Mm -hmm. So IP could be the – that's why I always tell libertarians they always ignore IP. Like you said, you don't understand it. Most people don't understand it. They don't think it's a big issue. Even if I persuade them that it's bad, they think, okay, but that's just a little thing on the edges like minimum weight. Well, I think it's up there with the – what are the worst things the government does? Taxation, the, the, the Federal Reserve or central banking, which causes mm -hmm. inflation in the business cycle. Um, government control of education, which propagandizes and brainwashes and dumbs down everyone. Uh, the welfare system, which has ruined uh, minority families and the family structure. Uh, war and the drug war. Those are all horrible things, but I would put intellectual property up there in the top two or three of all of those because of yeah. the insidious effect it has on everything in society. No, I, would, I would agree. The more I'm learning about it, the more I'm thinking this might be the 
Like what's my 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 biggest argument against government is the market would replace a lot of Putin's government offers if it was allowed to actually be a free market. And with this, this cronyism, it's possible to argue for you can't sell someone I'm an end cap. You say I'm an end cap, like oh you support cronyism. It's like no, I don't. That's not it's not the same thing. Like, what you what you see today is not capitalism. It's it's corporatism. And it, so what do we do? Like what are the steps that can be taken? Like how do you get? How do you stop? We repealing, I guess, or nullifying. These I laws? mean, it's. It, I think it's like a lot of things. I, I've, I've I've come to believe um, it's it's almost impossible to get these laws changed by um, political activism because the the special interests are so entrenched, and it's so hard to explain to people um, the, the subtly the the reason the problems with it. And the propaganda that they've mounted over the years has done a good job. Most people kind of think, oh, if you work hard, you should be compensated. If you produce a screenplay or write a novel, it's fair that you're, you're rewarded for that. So they kind of mm-hmm. bought into the, the, uh, the way that the, the special interests have co-opted like John Locke's argument mm-hmm. uh, and bent it in their direction, and it's worked. Um, so I don't really think it's going to be easy to – reverse it legislatively or with political action. However, I think of it more like Bitcoin and Uber. So I mean we've had these stupid taxicab quasi-monopolies for a long mm-hmm. time. That's why we've had shitty taxicab service for so long. And Uber just emerged because the technology backbone was there and some entrepreneurs mm-hmm. thought of this. They didn't go around asking permission. If they had asked permission first, then then all the local cities would have said no because they would have been catering to the wishes of the of, of the entrenched monopoly taxicab interests. Mm-hmm. They just did it without asking permission, and they they up into the whole industry. By the time the slumbering taxicab industry woke up to it, it was too late to get it banned because it was too popular. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, hopefully, is happening with Bitcoin. Um, by there's no way to get the government to give up the printing press and the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. They'll never give that up voluntarily. Bitcoin is just gradually <laughs> going to take over it, I hope. Mm-hmm. And by the time the stupid government wakes up and realizes it's a threat, mm-hmm. it's going to be too late. Mm-hmm. And so for intellectual property, I think something similar is the best way to fight it is with technology, really. Um, so copyright is pretty much on the ropes now because of the internet and because of uh, encryption and torrenting and um, – and because of the digitization of information and the network of the internet. So it's almost impossible to – well, it's basically impossible to prevent um, movies or books, software, yeah. whatever from being copied. It's, it happens all the time. It's, it's the genies out of the bottle. So copyright has basically been ruined um, largely by technology. So it's very difficult to enforce it. So they're left enforcing it in the institutional setting when – Big companies have to play by the rules, mm. or if you use YouTube because YouTube is controlled by Google, which is has yeah. to respect the law, and the law makes them do takedowns and things like that. I, now for Pat, go ahead. I almost I was going to um, put this video up with a bunch of copyrighted music as the intro. I mm. wanted to get it taken down and reupload it with with uh, with, with, with um, public domain music has a has a zilk, sort of yeah. zilk, like the IP video gets taken down for IP. I still might do it. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, and. Uh, who knows? They may take it down for, because of this picture of the background I'm using from Capri. Maybe it's a maybe it's a copyrighted picture. I don't know. Um, um, and then patents. Now patents are, are still um, a large. Da- I think patents are the worst 
of the worst. It's just mm. uh, uh, copyright is horrible. And the worst thing about copyright is it lasts longer. It lasts over 100 years in most cases. Um, it started out as 14 years at the beginning of the country, 14 years extendable once to 28 total. And now it's life of the author plus 70 years. So if you write it when you're 30 and you die when you're 80, that's 70 plus seven, about 150, 130, 40 years of coverage is crazy. Wow. That is that's um, crazy. So and copyright literally censors free speech and limits what we can read and produce mm-hmm. and it limits what poor people and people from developing countries in the world can read and access because you now there's a lot they can access because thanks to the internet mm-hmm. but it's still like they have to kind of go underground and you know they have to uh, find pirated sites and um, it'd be nice if 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 all these people could have access to all the technological knowledge and cultural knowledge and scientific you know artistic and scientific knowledge uh, of of the developed countries um, on on their on their cell phones, right, and on their smartphones and on their mm-hmm. computers. Um, so copyright is a horrible thing, but patents I think are even worse because copyright basically distorts and limits free speech, mm-hmm. and, um, um, and and distorts culture, and and, um, and and restricts the spread of ideas. But patents actually make the human race far more poor because the way we become richer. As a human species is the accumulation of technological knowledge. Every generation learns from the past generations and adds to it, and that's why we keep getting richer and richer. We have more knowledge or more recipes, as Rothbard would call it, um, that the whole human race can use. That's why China has improved its GDPs per person so much the last 30 years because they were so backwards that there was lots of low-hanging fruit, which meant they could just copy the high-tech and other methods of the, that the West had been using. So they could just easily copy that knowledge, which is a good thing, right? Because they could join the, join, start joining the industrialized human world and raise a billion people out mm-hmm. of poverty. Um, and so we, every generation we do that, every day we do that. Um, people come up with ideas and the good ones are transmitted and spread. Another way copyright hurts is they spreads it restricts the spread of information like in journals and things like that because they're paywalled. Paywalling would go away without copyright because no one could sustain could afford to do that because you would if some some journal stupidly put their stuff behind a paywall, then someone would just get access to it, copy yeah, the whole thing and, and make a duplicate site and render their paywall model useless so mm-hmm. no one would do paywalls. <laughs> so it would encourage the distribution of knowledge, which would teach people these ideas. So, but the patent system in monopolizing um, innovation like this uh, res- lowers or impedes the the research and development of new information for several reasons. Number one, if you have a monopoly on your new iPhone or whatever, um, you don't have as much of an incentive to keep improving it because you can rest on your laurels for 17 years knowing that no one can compete with you. So okay, you can take your time to innovate. Whereas if there was no patents, you have to keep innovating to keep your competitors from from emulating what you're doing and mm-hmm. capturing some of your market. And then on the other on the other side of that, the competitors themselves don't become competitors because they can't they couldn't sell the competing product because it's too similar to the patented product of the of the leader. And so they don't even bother to innovate and that uh, they don't even bother to try to develop their own products so they don't come up with the, the innovations they would have come up with. So the patents slows down innovation, which means that we have a slower amount of 
of new knowledge being added to the human the human treasure trove of knowledge that all all generations can use and mm -hmm. when you slow down the develop excuse me the development and diffusion of new technological um, innovations um, you make us more poor than you make us poorer than we would have been. Mm -hmm. So we are poor as, and not just poor in terms of money. I mean, we, that causes death because money and wealth can extend lives and save lives. Mm -hmm. So the patent system literally kills people. Um, and it does it like even more literally in some cases where like one drug company has a monopoly on a drug. And if they don't make enough of it, then people can't access, get access to it and they die. Mm -hmm. And, and the reason, there's not enough of it is because only one person is making it. If, if there was a free market and there was no patent yeah. law stopping people, then you might have two or three or four generics spring up, and they would satisfy the this 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 demand for this drug. Um, I can I can give you some examples, but there there are, there's many case cases in history, uh, in recent history, where this happens. Wow. You're throwing a lot of information at me, and I am I'm loving it. I am learning a lot. What uh, you said, a lot, not a lot of people know what IP is, but they defend it anyway. I, I'm sure there's not a lot of good people coming out here who really know what IP is and trying to defend it. The people who do know what IP is, other lawyers, for example, who do know what intellectual property is, do they have any good defenses of it? The dentists, no, corporate, no, no, they don't even try. 99% of patent lawyers, like I am, for example. They're in favor of it because <laughs> that's a job. You know, it's like a public school teacher. I mean, if you ask a public school teacher or a post office worker, do, do you think the post office should exist or do you think public schools should exist? You know, they're pretty much all going to say yes. Yeah. Um, the patent lawyers don't really; they've never really even thought about it. Most of them. Um, and if you challenge them, they'll they'll just repeat the same things everyone's heard. Like, mm -hmm. uh, well. If you're against intellectual property, you must be against uh, innovation. You know, or, or why do you want to hurt artists? Don't you think uh, songwriters deserve to make a living? Don't you think novelists deserve to make a living? Did you ever, um, did you ever see the, there's an episode of South Park on intellectual property where uh, like all the kids download a bunch of illegal music and get arrested by the cops, and they're like, "It's not a big deal. Who are we heard? Like, not a big deal. Let me show you something." And it's so uh, slashed from um, Guns N' Roses crying to his hands. And it's like, what, what's wrong with him? He was going to put it in a new jacuzzi, but now he has to wait till next month. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, After I saw that. Then I'm like, okay, I need to actually know a little bit more about intellectual property. And so I, I got reached out to you. I was like, can you explain this to me? Well, if you, you know, back on the cronyism issue, I mean, what's one thing that's astounding? So I don't know if it's, if it's that prevalent anymore because, uh, most people don't buy DVDs that much anymore mm -hmm. to watch movies on Blu-rays, but you know you're probably familiar with this on VHS tapes and then DVDs for quite a while and probably Blu-rays. Every time you pop that thing into your player, you had to see an FBI or an Interpol warning. Yeah. Um, now it's odd because like if you if you go into a regular store and you buy a I don't know you buy a lamp from a hardware store, there's not like a little sign there's not like a little sticker on it from the police saying. Uh, you know, reminding everyone of the importance of property rights is strange. So they've got the FBI basically doing their dirty work for them and putting warnings to warn their own customers of potential jail time if they use the product that the customer paid for in the wrong way. 
I mean, it's just and then we all just accept that as normal. But that's weird. It's yeah. like you get this almost police state threat when you're tr- just trying to sit down with the family to watch a movie. And my understanding is a lot of the more advanced was like the Blu-rays. They make it unskippable. You can't even skip past it. Yeah. You have to sit there and watch it. It's like an indoctrination thing. It's really, it's really creepy. Like I watched them the other day and I saw it. I'm like, this is, this is weird. They shouldn't be able to, like, I shouldn't be seeing this before I watch some movie, you know, some dumb comedy. I gotta see an FBI warning before I watch dumb comedy. It's very. And, and then they, and then you have these stupid public service commercials, like, mm-hmm. uh, um, you wouldn't you know, download like, a call, like, like the, like the drug was like, you know, this is your brain on drugs, and they showed mm-hmm. an egg frying, and now it's like, yeah, you wouldn't. What they say, you wouldn't. You wouldn't you download wouldn't, a car or something. You wouldn't. Yeah, but I think like I would download a, if I could download a car. I would do that. I mean, yeah. if I if I could have a three D printer in my garage and print a car, that'd be awesome. I oh, and that, so I, I I got sidetracked earlier. I, what I was going to say was, just as technology has has helped copyright become largely um, unenforceable, which is a good thing. Um, I do think that uh, I'm ho- my hope is that. 3D printing someday will advance to the point where um, it will start to do the same thing to patent law. So mm. if you could print mecha- you know, mechanical devices, sophisticated ones of good quality uh, with your 3D printer in your, in your basement, um, I don't see how it's not going to be possible for, for, the, for the company that has a patent on the product to mm-hmm. stop you from doing it. Um, because it's too decentralized and it's too yeah. private. Because you can get the files, the design from a from a torrent site, you know, encrypted, mm-hmm. and then your printer just prints it. Um, I do think we're fifty, you know, fifty years away from that. Yeah. Like printing an iPhone or printing a car that actually works. But over mm-hmm. time, I could see that. So I think that's the best way to overcome um, um, the, an ultra property system. Where could people go to hear more about this? Like, like, where's a good place to get more information? Like, do you have any books you recommend? Or like, where can go? If I want to learn more about this after this podcast, where should I go? Um, basically, my stuff and and a few other authors who I've collected on. I have a website where I collect all the intellectual property related uh, stuff. And that's c4sif.org, which stands for Center for the Study of Innovation. Which is my little center. It's C4, the number four, sif.org. And on that website, go to slash resources or slash AIP, uh, which is Against Intellectual Property. That's my, I wrote a book, a little booklet called Against Intellectual Property um, uh, a couple decades ago. And that's a, that's a good introduction. But I've got a lot of other shorter articles and speeches on, my, on that website that, that, and, and shorter pieces by others too. Um, which goes into the different um, the different dangers of IP and uh, different problems with it. Well, thank you, thank you. My timer went off. We are running out of time. This has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much. I, I really feel like I got a better understanding of IP, the history of it. This has been really informative. So thank you so much for coming on. Good, thanks, Caleb. Where can, where can people find you? After, I know you said you said where they can find you at your website. Where can they find you specifically? Like, what, oh yeah, well, it's Stefan Kinsella. It has has a link to the other site too, but that has all my libertarian writings. And I'm on Twitter and Facebook at NS Kinsella. Ends my first, Norman is my first name, so it's NS Kinsella at NS Kinsella on Twitter. Sounds good. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, intellectual property is illegitimate. Everyone have a good night.